to be with you. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, we're back in 1 Thessalonians this morning. And again, we're going to see how Paul loved people and how he gave himself away for people and how his heart was so attached to people. And it's going to show us really how life in the church is supposed to be. And it shows us what kind of people we are supposed to be in the church. Uh, you know, without love, uh, church feels artificial and shallow. Without sincere love for, for people, uh, Paul said, uh, we're just like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Uh, and even where there is a, an emphasis on Bible truth, solid Bible truth, love has to be present. Uh, even where gifts of the Spirit are flourishing, love has to be present. Otherwise, we really have nothing, and we're really accomplishing nothing. We're just making noise. Well, Paul dearly loved the men and women in the church at Thessalonica, and this personal loving affection was really the hallmark of Paul's ministry. It's, it's the way that ministry was carried out in the New Testament church. That's what apostolic Christianity looked like. It was the hallmark of his ministry. Uh, Jesus said it's the true mark of a disciple. And it's the mark of a true church, too. We're a family. Uh, we are to have a fierce loyalty to one another. And we are to love each other like brothers and sisters. And Paul described his ministry in this passage as being like a mother and being like a father. He said he came with gentleness, with love and affection and teaching and caring for others like they were his own children. And that's what church is to look like and feel like. And you can't go pin that on, well, the church as like some sort of remote organization. No, that's you and me we're talking about. You and I have to make, it, make church that way. We have to act like brothers and sisters to each other. We have to be spiritual mothers and fathers to each other. We have to take on that compassion, that affection of a nursing mother and a tender, loving father. Of course, church takes organization and planning, and there is authority in the church. But affectionate relationships in the Lord is absolutely essential to the church and to our church. This loving, uh, nurturing kind of ministry that Paul describes here doesn't require worldly talent. But it does require that we adopt God's heart for people. And I thank you, Pam, for that phrase. We must adopt God's heart for people. It requires genuine love and pure motives. And these are the qualities that Paul sets forth in chapter 2 as the proof that his work and ministry and his preaching was genuine and genuinely motivated by sincere love and by the truth of the gospel. And so, he begins in verse 1, our visit was not in vain. Some translations say our visit was not a, a, a failure. But I think it's, uh, it more communicates that our visit to you was, was not empty. It wasn't hollow. Uh, that could mean that there were 
observable results, salvations, and changed lives, and that did happen in Thessalonica. But it seems that Paul is, is mainly referring to the manner in which he and his com- companions, Timothy and Silas, or Timothy and Sylvania, came to these people, and how the manner in which they lived among them and, and preached the gospel. And so Paul is saying, the, the way that we came to you was not empty or useless. The way we conducted ourselves among you was true, authentic, genuine, real. And you saw it. And he reminds them that they saw it. Some people can talk very spiritual. It's just a skill they picked up from be, pick up from being in church a lot. And they can say really good things and they can quote Bible verses, but without genuine, loyal, faithful love for people, their words are vain. And that's what Paul says, our ministry was not vain. Many people in the ministry can attract uh, a huge number of people. They can build large organizations. But it's often through the power of personality or cleverly manipulating the scripture or telling people what they want to hear. But Paul reminds the Thessalonians that his ministry to them was not like that at all. So many ministries are all for the sake of the man or the person at the head of it or for the organization. But Paul says, no, that's, that's not what I'm about at all. This was for, for your sakes. I came preaching to you the gospel of our God. He said, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We never came to you with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people. On the contrary, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother. We came to you like a mom. We treated you like a father treats his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I believe what I just read to you from this passage is one of the clearest and most powerful statement of what authentic Christian life and ministry looks like. If you want men, if you want to have a spiritual influence over your wife or your family or any of you if you want to have a ministry even to just one other person earnestly study these qualities and pursue them in your life, especially the kind of personal affection and attachment and genuine love that Paul demonstrated for these people. So why does Paul feel the need to so emphasize his own love and his sincere, pure motives? Uh, Is it because he's proud uh, or wants to talk about himself? No, it's because there is a great need 
for Christians to be able to tell the difference between authentic and artificial ministry. We need to be able to tell the difference between those who preach themselves and those who preach Christ. Between those who care about the sheep and those who are in it for themselves. And there's a lot that is shallow, hollow, artificial out there. From the earliest days of the church, counterfeit apostles and teachers have inserted themselves into the church. Uh, Jude gives, I think, one of the most graphic or vivid uh, illustrations or word pictures of this. He called these men clouds without water. These guys are like clouds without rain, men without the Spirit. And it's a problem when churches, when Christians don't recognize the emptiness of these ministers and ministries. So Paul puts himself forward and the way, the manner, the character, the quality, the godliness, the love with which he came to the Thessalonians, he puts his way of life as the standard of genuine, authentic Christian living and ministry. And he did that for at least, one, at least one big reason he did that was so that the Thessalonians could spot the insincere and the artificial and the faults. And it's recorded in Scripture, so of course we can too. And this discern, discernment is lacking in many churches. Paul, it's a problem that Paul dealt with all the time. It was a problem at the church in Corinth. Uh, Paul poured out his life for those people at Corinth, just like he did at, at, here at Thessalon, Thessalonica. I mean, he loved those guys. He said, my arms are open wide to you. Uh, it was to the Corinthians he said, I, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give my life away for you guys. And yet, the people at Corinth, at least some of them, tended to turn to men that Paul called super apostles. And he said that in kind of a mocking way. He said, yeah, you guys, you guys follow the super apostles, supermen. Uh, men who were much more impressive and have greater gifts and were better speakers than, than me. And so Paul uh, told them, uh, well, in the King, in the King James, uh, it's, it's a phrase that I'm sure you've heard before. He says, you guys suffer fools gladly. If you want to know where that phrase, phrase came from, that came from Paul. That's what he wrote to the church at Corinth. Uh, the newer translations say... Um, you gladly tolerate fools. In fact, and this, this is scripture, I'm re, this is quoting, this isn't my words, this is, Paul, this is what Paul said. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or exalts himself over you or who strikes you in the face. <laughs> and so Paul was just pointing out that often these men who are really in the ministry for themselves, they, often these men are powerful leaders and speakers, uh, but they, they love their, their power and they e exploit people for their money. Perhaps uh, they use people to build up their own ego and further their own agenda. And Paul was chiding the Christians at Corinth for being so easily impressed, for being taken advantage of, even, even for allowing themselves to be abused by these guys. Uh, just because they, they had you know, great personalities and, and good, impressive sets of skills. Uh, so Paul was in a constant battle to overcome this, this kind of deception in the churches. So 
we're going to look at, I mean, we're going to look at what Paul set forth for the, the church at Thessalonica. We're going to see what Paul himself sets forth as evidences of authentic love and ministry. So first, he reminds them of his boldness to carry on despite trouble, danger, and suffering. Verse 2, read it again. As you are aware, we had already endured suffering and shameful treatment in Philippi, but in the face of strong opposition, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God. Paul's basically just stating the facts here. Suffering, danger, threats did not keep me from coming to you guys. One commentator said the point of verse 2 is clear. Men who, could sing, men who could sing hymns to God in prison after such insolent and vile treatment for preaching the gospel and then who were still not discouraged from preaching the gospel under such conditions were not likely to be phonies. Boldness is a part of godliness. It's a part of being a godly man or woman. It's a part of being a godly minister in, at any level. I'm not talking just about pastors or elders. Being any kind of servant of Jesus, any kind of minister to other people. Boldness is essential. It's a part of godliness. It, affir- it affirms authentic faith and love. Paul was bold because God gave him a job to do. And he was going to do it come hell or high water. But it was also love for people that motivated this boldness. Verse 8, we cared so deeply that we were delighted to share the gospel with you as well as our own lives. Uh, Many commentators feel that basically what Paul was saying there, we loved you so, so much that we were willing to risk our own lives. We were willing to pay with our own lives in order to come to you and share with you God's truth, God's message. That's authenticity. Love makes you bold. Love overcomes your fears. Love is what makes a father or a mother run back into a house that is on fire and rescue their child. After being beaten and jailed in Philippi, Paul could have easily called it quits. Uh, But even though he knew he was likely to face the same hatred and opposition and persecution in Thessalonica, he came anyway. He said, I came anyway. I was bold in our God to come to you. In John 10, 12, Jesus said, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now that verse is about Jesus. But the truth that Jesus taught is that danger will distinguish between the shepherd and the hired hand. The shepherd, because he really loves the sheep, will give his life for them. The hired hand cares only about himself, ultimately his own safety, or about getting paid. And he will leave the sheep when things get rough. 
He cares more about his own safety than the well-being of the sheep. And again, Paul pointed out his willingness to endure danger in order to, to come to them. He, 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 he reminded them of, of this as proof of his genuine love and affection for them. And you know you are loved by someone when they are willing to pay a price to be with you or to stay with you. If they run, it really is an indication of lack of love or lack of a deep and genuine love. I believe, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here for just a minute, but I believe boldness in the face of opposition will become, will become the, the most needed quality in the church in the days ahead. You know, opposition is coming. Paul said, I was bold to come, you, come to you in the face of opposition. Well, I believe opposition is coming for the church, for us in the days of head. We must prepare now to be bold, to speak the truth of God in the face of opposition. It might be, I believe it will be, before very long, uh, become actually dangerous to say some of the things that we say here in this room on Sunday mornings. We must be bold to continue to meet together as a church in the face of opposition. We must be bold to carry on the work that God has given us to do as his church. And this godly quality was not lacking in Paul. And we need to pray that it would not be lacking in us as well. Franklin Graham said, I believe there is a storm coming that we all need to be ready for. Believers in the United States are living in a cancel culture that wants to destroy Christian organizations. They want to shut our mouths. They don't want to hear from us. We cannot back up. We cannot retreat. Do, don't apologize for the gospel. Just declare it and preach it. If you're not going to preach the gospel, you don't have anything to worry about. This is, again, Franklin Graham. If, you, if you're not going to preach the gospel, you don't have anything to worry about. If you're not going to talk about sin... You're not going to have anything to worry about, but if you are going to proclaim the gospel, they are going to try to shut you up. And I, actually, I, I really believe, I agree with him. I believe it's quite naive to not believe that. Boldness to carry on God's work uh, in, when things get rough, when things get dangerous, when we get severe uh, criticism and threats that's a mark of authentic faith in God and it's also a mark of authentic love for people now the next mark of, of authentic ministry uh, that Paul gives us and he, there's a lot of things underneath this but this is kind of a heading that covers a lot of the things that Paul's going to say next is but the next mark mark of authentic ministry is Paul's freedom from personal ambition. Verse 3, for our gospel does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, not from a desire to please people, and we never came with words of flattery or pretext for greed, nor did we seek glory from people. Or some translations say we didn't seek, seek praise from people. Uh, again, so much ministry at every level, and I'm talking about in every level of the church from worship, preaching, uh, 
I'm talking about the church in general, but so much ministry at every level in the church is, is motivated by self and self-promotion of what, what we can gain from it. But Paul said his ministry was not for his advantage, but it was compelled by his love for them. You know, one of the best, uh, and you may not understand this, and I realize this could be distort, twisted, I get that, but it still really helped me. One of the best pieces of advice I ever heard from me as a pastor is, the people are not there for you. You are there for the people. And man, that, that's a freeing way to do ministry, let me tell you. So under this um, larger point that uh, Paul Paul came with a freedom from personal ambition. He says, we didn't come with error. It's a great temptation to twist God's word just enough to avoid uh, anything that's uncomfortable, to twist God's word just enough to avoid criticism and persecution, um, to gain more followers. Uh, It's a serious character weakness and and a great temptation for all those who speak in any way or place for Christ. I mean, you just, you just watch. You see people out that are out in public ministry, uh, whether they're Christian singers, entertainers, teachers, pastors. They get asked some of the hard questions about what's going on in our culture today, and they fold, uh, what's the saying, like a cheap suit or something. <laughs> I mean, they just, they cave in immediately un- under the pressure. Paul says, no, we didn't come with error. We came with a pure message of of truth. So uh, watch out for men and women and for churches who are just not that careful with the truth. Uh, It's a great temptation for speakers uh, to want to be clever or unique or to somehow communicate that they've got such unique insight into, the, into a, a scriptures or verses or scripture, spiritual principles that people need to, re, to come to them and rely on them for their insight. Or what's uh, very common today is they'll take something the Bible clearly says. I mean, you, you can read it in any translation Bible clearly says this, and then they'll go tell you why that's not what it says. Watch out for that. The reason is, uh, is often for self-promotion, gain, again, to gain more followers, uh, or to conform to the current socially acceptable opinions. Next, our opinion did not spring from impurity. Paul came without impurity, certainly without sexual impurity, but I think here he's talking about he didn't come with impurity in his, in his, in his motive or in his heart. He came with a simple and pure devotion to Christ and a pure and simple love for these people. There's no hidden agenda. Uh, He wasn't secretly trying to to promote himself, but he had a genuine concern for people's souls. Uh, Down in verse 10, he said, you are witnesses, uh, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was among you. There's nothing impure about it. And, you know, a lot of people would really have problems with somebody saying that, but actually we need to live in such a way so that we can say that. 
that our conduct was holy and righteous and blameless among you. Next, Paul said we made no attempt to deceive you. Uh, we didn't use any kind of uh, trickery, uh, no clever methods uh, to, to manipulate people uh, for our own advan- advantage. And I, I don't, I, Paul clearly didn't use any kind of trick or trickery or deception uh, just to try to get more of them to respond to his message. He came with a, a, a message of truth, uh, an uncompromising message of truth, and God was at work in this place. Next, we didn't speak to please men, verse 4, but we have been approved by God uh, to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please men, but God who tests our hearts. Uh, Paul had a message directly from God, or more specifically, more directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the message that he preached. And he never modified it. He never changed it. He never softened it. Uh, he, he preached what he was given. He preached the message that God gave him, uh, whether people accepted it or rejected it. Uh, he said, I mean, we, he, de- he declared what God gave him to preach, uh, whether it resulted in life or whether it resulted in death. He was just single-minded. He was out to please God with the way he preached the message. Certainly wasn't teaching and preaching to be popular. He did... He did it for God, he said, who tests our hearts. Uh, as, as he was speaking, teaching, preaching, explaining, he said, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for God's approval. God's watching me. God's examining me. God's testing my heart as I'm doing this. And so I'm doing it to please him. Paul understood that he answered to God and that was all that really mattered. And if everything we say gets filtered through what will satisfy others or make others like us or say nice things about us, then we're in the ministry for ourselves and not for God. And in another place in the book of Galatians, Paul said, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. It's just, just absolutely can't do it. And so if you... If you want to be used by the Lord, and I hope that's a cry of every one of our hearts, to be used by the Lord. If you want to be used by the Lord in anyone's life, make sure that your deep inward heart's desire is to please God and not man. Next, we never came with words of flattery. Uh, Paul didn't use flattery to win people. Uh, He didn't butter them up uh, in order to get something from them. We didn't come to you with a pretext for greed. Uh, Paul had to have money to operate just like we all do. Uh, But Paul didn't do the ministry in order to enrich himself or to take money from these people. Instead, he showed himself to be extremely self-denying and sacrificial. He said, we worked day and night so as not to be a burden to any of you. Uh, we didn't eat, even eat anyone's bread without paying for it. 
farming. Paul was so conscientious about um, just being above board financially and, and showing these people that he wasn't in it um, for, for his financial gain. And I could probably go off from there into how it is right to pay elders and pe- people in the ministry and all of that. Paul makes a case for that. But the, the point is that that was so far from his, his heart or motive. I mean, he was just, he, his love for them was so genuine that he wasn't in it with any kind of pretext for greed. Uh, he was not in it for the praises of people. Verse 6, we did not seek praise from you or from anyone else. Paul came uh, for God's glory. Uh, he didn't see the church as a place to get glory f- for himself. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's so easy how that motive can, can sneak in in any in all areas of ministry. Um, to see, you know, doing something in the church as, as a way somehow to, to get people to think better of us or, or praise us or get glory for ourselves. Um, Paul didn't do the ministry to get people to see him as some kind of rock star. Just wasn't out, just wasn't, just wasn't to be about him. He came with a message from God and it was to glorify God. So, Paul spent quite a bit of time here telling them what he did not come with. He said, we didn't come with any of these things. But here is what we did come with. We came to you with gentleness, like a nursing mother. We were like a, we were like a nursing mom among you. That's how we treated you. That's how we loved you. That's how we cared about you. And verse 11, we treated each, each one of you as a father treats his own children. So in, instead of all these other motives, instead of self-promotion, instead of making it about him, it was about them. Paul, Paul came to nourish them and feed them and care for them and love them. He came with... Um, Again, gentleness and genuine love for them like a nursing mother. So if, if you want to know what authentic ministry looks like, it looks like a mother nursing her child. Paul said he and Timothy and, he, and Silas were kind, uh, tender, affectionate, not severe, not abusive, not proud or, ha- or haughty. Uh, a man whom I never heard of before, but by the name of Henry Perive said, keep a mother's heart for men. I love that. Keep a mother's heart for men. Verse 8, we cared for you so deeply that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives as well. That's what Paul, he says that right after talking about coming to them like a nursing mother. We cared so deeply for you that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but also our own lives. Isn't that what a mom does? Isn't that what a mother does? She cares so deeply for her baby, her infant, her child that she shares her own life 
with that child, gives up her own life for that child. Ministry is not just giving words to people, as important as that is, okay? But ministry is not just giving words to people, it is giving ourselves away. Uh, we, you, you, can't be you can't do real ministry and be detached and isolated from people. Paul was willing to like give his life, give something of his own heart and soul and even his body and strength for them. He was willing to exhaust himself for them, uh, to give up his time and energy for them, even to give up his life for them. You know, one of the phrases that I hear Christians use uh, that I strongly dislike is uh, attending church. And it's like uh, church is a place I come, but I have no skin in the game whatsoever. And being a part of a church is not just, you, we do attend, okay? I get, I mean, I understand. We do come. We, we, we should. We should be faithful in attending church. But being a part of church is not just attending something. It's sharing your life with people. It's giving yourself away the best that you can with the gifts that you have with love and affection to other people. That's what Paul did, verse 9. You recall our labor and our toil. We worked day and night so that we would not be a burden to anyone of you while we were proclaiming to you the gospel of God. And, and we've already mentioned this, but uh, Paul's affection for them was shown by, just by his hard work, um, his, his sacrificial manner of living among them. Paul also treated them like a father. Verse 11, we treated you as a father treats his own children, encouraging you comforting you and urging you to walk in a manner worthy of God. That's just, that's a little different version, but I, I that's from the Brian Study Bible, but I think that really communicates. We treated you as a father treats his own children, encouraging you, comforting you, and urging you to walk in a manner worthy of God. You know, I think as earthly fathers, we, we want our kids, our children, uh, to do well, don't we? Um, if you're a father, you... You want your kids, you want your children to, to be prepared for, for life. Uh, you want them to be able to survive and thrive out there in a world that is not so easy uh, to live in. Um, and so you want to prepare your kids for that. And so you, and so you, you teach them and you encourage them, you exhort them, you you help prepare them. And that's what, that's what Paul said uh, he did, like a, like a father uh, treating, treating his own kids, or like a father treats his own kids. He taught and exhorted and encouraged these, these uh, people that were very dear to him at Thessalonica. So, he, he encourages, teaches, and exhorts, but not in a harsh or dictatorial way, uh, but with the love and affection of a father for his own children. Authentic ministry looks like being a mother and father. 
I think this image is so, is so, so important. That's what real ministry looks like. It looks like being a mother and a father. And honestly, ministry without the heart of a father and mother toward others is vain, empty, and hollow. And people will begin to feel that. So this is the kind of affectionate, um, heart-to-heart relationships that Paul had with the churches. And it's the kind of heart-to-heart, affectionate, loving relationships he taught and he fostered in the churches. And part of the reason he sets forth his affection and love for them certainly was for them to pick that up and for us to pick that up through the word of God handed down to us. All right, just three final applications this morning. First, be able to tell the difference between artificial and authentic ministries, churches, and teachers. Be discerning. Uh, Listen to those who exhibit genuine and self-sacrificial love. Beware of those who seem to always make it about themselves and their organization or church or whatever. Second, please hear God or listen to God calling calling you this morning to... Uh, give yourself away to people. No matter, you know, no matter where you're at, and we've, you know, we've, we've all prob- made, probably made some progress in that. Pro- we, we, probably, we all have some ways to go, okay? So this isn't like, not just trying to point fingers at a handful of people here or anything like that at all. But listen to God calling you to a life of giving yourself away to people. Go invest your life in people for the sake of the gospel. And third, uh, and the last, if you have it in your heart uh, to serve Christ, don't worry about starting a big organization or even a Bible study, although, although that would be awesome. Don't worry about starting some big thing, though, Go and be a mother or a father to someone. Start caring about the spiritual well-being of another person and love them like a mother or a father would. And seek to advance God's work in their life because you have authentic uh, love and affection for them. Let's pray. Uh, Father, do your work in our hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, we we ask that by the grace of God and the power of your Spirit, you would instill in our hearts this kind of bold love for people.